So we're up in uh, Matthew chapter 6, and before we open... Um, before we open by reading this passage of scripture, I'm going to go ahead and pray for our time, okay? So let's bow our heads. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you, Jesus, for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to come before you, Lord, to study your word, to learn from you, Jesus. I, I ask, God, that your Holy Spirit would meet us here this morning, Lord, that you would speak through me, Jesus, that you would overlook my inadequacies, Jesus, as a man, Lord, as a sinner, God, and that you would just... Lord, use me as an instrument to be able to, to talk, Lord, to my brothers and sisters here this morning. Lord, we give you this time, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're in Matthew chapter 6. We're in verse 19, and you guys have been walking through the Sermon of the Mount, which is just this rich passage of Scripture. If you guys have the old traditional Bibles, you'll notice that for like almost two chapters, actually, yeah, two chapters, all the words are in red. So what does that mean? That means Jesus is talking. And then when Jesus is talking, it's worth listening to, right? And so this morning, Jesus is talking again. So we're going to pick it up here in verse 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. Wow. Verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, now one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, Oh, sorry, hold on, I totally read that wrong. It says no one, not no. So no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Wow. Are you guys familiar with the Bruno Mars song, Billionaire? Yeah? <laughs> for some of you guys who are not, some of the lyrics go like this. He says, he says I want to be a billionaire. So, bleep, in bad. I want to buy all the things I never had. I want to be on the cover of Forbes magazine, smiling next to Oprah and the Queen. So for Bruno, man, he wants to be a billionaire. He wants to have money. Or how, how many of you guys know the, the musician Aloe Black? You guys know him? Yeah? A couple of you guys? Well, he has a song that says, I need a dollar. I need the dollar, dollar, dollar is what I need. Right? Well, listen, the reason I bring these two songs up is because these are just two small examples that represent a very, a much bigger picture that I'm trying to paint here this morning. And that is that our culture, our society, our nation is obsessed with the material. So the title of the message here this morning is Treasures in Heaven. But I wouldn't even stop at just our nation being obsessed with the material, right? Or with earthly goods. I would say our world is obsessed with it too. I want you guys to think about the holidays, okay? Think about the holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter. What happens right after Thanksgiving? Can anyone tell me? Black Friday? I heard that. Yeah, Black Friday. Literally, a few hours after you have sat down with your family at the dinner table, right? A big Thanksgiving meal. You sat down with your family. A few hours later, you know, you're thankful. You're celebrating what you're thankful for, what you have. You have stores opening up at midnight, with the latest sales so that you can go and buy more things right after you've just celebrated being thankful for what you have. Isn't that crazy? I mean, honestly, it's a little sad to me. We tend to be obsessed with what is new. What's the latest gadget? What is the new trend? 
Consider the iPhone series, right? I don't have my phone with me, but I have the iPhone 4. It's cracked, it's dirty, it's gross. Okay, and the iPhone 4 is considered like a dinosaur, right? Do any of you guys have the iPhone 4 still? It's not even the 4S, it's the 4. Yeah, <laughs> listen, that's considered like a dinosaur. And the problem is that was like made only a few years ago. Like I think like three or four years ago. So we all know that Apple releases a brand new phone almost every single year, right? And what's the difference between them? Okay, what's the difference? Well, not much. Every single iPhone has the same three components. It's a phone, it has the internet, and it has a really good camera. Yet, 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 our world and our society, we buy into the game of getting the latest one every single time it comes out with the only difference being the color or the size of it, right? Or maybe the resolution of the screen, or maybe the, maybe the resolution of the camera, but, but the differences are minimal. Now, if you have an iPhone, or if you have the latest iPhone, and I know there's some of you in this room that do, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to say that you're this consumer, and you're dirty, and you're wrong. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not, okay? I'm just, okay, I'm trying to use the iPhone, I'm trying to use Thanksgiving, I'm trying to use these two songs as an example to show that our society is obsessed with the material. They're obsessed with earthly goods. How much can I accumulate? It's almost as if, okay, and get this, it's almost as if our culture isn't really obsessed with really what's new. Like, okay, I want this because it's new. But more they want it because of the pursuit of these new things. Like it's a drug. I'm going to go get these new clothes. I'm going to go get this new iPhone because it kind of makes me feel good. Now, please don't get me wrong. And this is where we're going to dive into the passage of Scripture this morning. There isn't anything intrinsically wrong with the iPhone or buying a new iPhone, okay? There's nothing wrong with the Bruno Mars song, sitting and listening to it, or making money, or putting it into a savings account. And there's nothing wrong with getting new clothes so that you can look good for the school year. There's really nothing wrong with it, okay? There isn't. However, all of those things can they have the potential to become bad if they become ultimate things, if they become idols. An idol is something that would take the place of God in my life. An idol is where my ultimate allegiance, attention, and ambition rests. You have to ask yourself, if not having one of these material goods, the new iPhone, the latest video game, okay, the latest wardrobe, style of clothes, hat, whatever, glasses, watch, if not having one of those things would absolutely crush me and make me cry myself to sleep at night, would ruin me, well, then that's bad. It's a really bad thing, and that's an idol. So what does Jesus have to say about these things? What does Jesus have to say about a culture wrapped up in the material, wrapped up in material goods? Well, this morning, I want to talk about three topic points that Jesus addresses here in this, in this passage, in these verses. And there's three words I want you guys to remember. Our ambition as believers, our attention, and our allegiance as disciples of Jesus. I believe Jesus addresses those three things um, in this passage. So first, let's look at this topic of ambition. Does anyone know what ambition is? I don't, you don't need to say that. Does anyone have a general idea of what ambition is? A little bit? Yeah, I know you do. I know you do, Andre. You're going to like an Ivy League school. Well, anyways, for some of you guys who don't know... Ambition is a strong desire to do or achieve something, typically requiring determination and hard work. So why do I bring this up? Why do I bring up the topic of ambition? Why is it in this passage of scripture? Well, a lot of the time, 
We as human beings, we have ambition. We have something that drives us to pursue an avenue where we can have success or accomplishment. There's something inside of us that's driving, something in us that's motivating us. Okay, for me, when I was your guys' age, when I was in high school, it was football. It was sports. I would practice in the off-season, so from like December all the way to like August, every day after school and in the summer months, sharpening my skills and trying to get better as an athlete in the hopes of getting a scholarship so that I could go to school for free, right? I mean, that's a, that's a worthy cause. Okay, I want to get a scholarship so that my parents don't have to pay for my schooling so I can go to school for free. Well, I did get a scholarship. I did go to school for one year for free and played football. But since then, the Lord has led me out. The Lord has led me out of that. And when I look back at it, when I look back at those years when I spent every day after school, like, investing in this thing, um, I realized that at times it became an idol. It consumed me. It did. It consumed me. And I think, man, you know what? I could have devoted myself to other things, discipleship, discipling some young guys in the church, maybe Christian clubs, or even, you know, just spending more time alone with Jesus, honestly. And that's not, those things are great things. So maybe this morning you find yourself going through something similar. Maybe it's academics. Maybe it's sports for you. Maybe it's a job or maybe it's a video game. There's something inside of you that's dri driving you to pursue these things. And maybe you're realizing that there's something inside of you, a deep desire that you're pursuing, something that you're longing for, that without that certain thing, you would be left crushed and brokenhearted. Without it, you would, you would feel lost. You'd feel broken. Now, with that in mind, I want us to look at verses 19 through 21 again. So not the whole passage, but just those three verses. And I want us to see what Jesus has to say about this. Jesus says again, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Guys, verse 19, the first verse in this passage, addresses something very, very, very important for us to understand. And that is that material, earthly things, earthly treasures, they do not last. They do not last. They fade away. Jesus says that moth and rust destroys. Thief Thieves, they, they break in and they steal. Jesus is warning his disciples here. His disciples that are following him, they're trying to learn from him. They're on this mountainside. They're like looking at him. They're trying to figure it out, okay? Well, he's warning them, look, guys, you cannot take earthly things and make them ultimate things. You don't want earthly things to rule over you. Remember the iPhone parallel? Remember when I was talking about the iPhone 4? Well, what happened to the iPhone 4? No one cares about it anymore. It got replaced. It's forgotten. Now, if you see someone with an iPhone 4, you're like, ugh, that's gross, right? Like, mine's all cracked on the back, and I, I like, have people, multiple, like, multiple times, like, a week come up to me, like, yeah, you need to get that fixed. Like, you should pay to get that fixed, you know? And I think, man, I don't really care. Like, it's, yeah, I don't really care. Once it, by the way, once it cracked, I'm just going to throw this out there, once it cracked, I felt so free. I was like, yes, I don't have to worry about it anymore. I don't have to worry about keeping it pristine. It's gone. It's cracked. Yes, and now I don't even use a case. It's the most freeing feeling. Anyways, that's a... That's a sidetrack. Anyways, the iPhone 4, they've forgotten about it. So not only is this with like material goods, they rust and destroy, they, they get stolen, but so often this is the case with fame as well. 
Think about it. Musicians and movie stars that were famous in the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, they aren't popular anymore. Their songs aren't the number one on Billboard Top 100. They've, they've been replaced. They've been forgotten. Check this out. Check this out. Fame and success, it fades away too. It rusts and destroys. You get, you get replaced. Maybe someone comes and steals your spotlight, right? Now, this is a survey I think is really interesting, and this is coming back all the way from 1992. 1992, 22 years ago. I wasn't even born yet. A lot of you weren't born yet. I actually know a lot of you, except Aaron in Brooklyn. You guys were born. Anyways, it says like this, okay? This is the, this is the survey, okay? What just oh, it came out of my pocket? Okay, this is the survey, and this is kind of disgusting if you guys pay attention to this. In a 1992 survey, people were asked how much money they would have to make to have the American dream. You guys know what the American dream is, right? Okay. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I want to be happy. I want to have the big house. I want to have the three cars. I want to have the acre lot, the big pool, the the beautiful wife, the perfect kids who are getting straight A's. The American dream. So those who earned $25,000 or less a year, they're only making $25,000 or less, they said they thought that they could have the American dream if they made $54,000 a year. Yeah, I can get the American dream if I make $54,000 a year. Now, those that made $100,000 a year in that, in that annual income bracket, they said that I, I could buy the American dream if I made $192,000 a year. So what's the problem here? There's a difference between $54,000 and $192,000, right? Well, these figures show us that we typically think we could, have, we could have the American dream, we could have a better life if we had double our income or double what we have, and that would get us the good life. But guys, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, now godliness with contentment is great gain. And this is important for us to understand here. Really, this is important for us to understand, especially you guys, especially this age group. When you're just starting off your journey of life, when you're trying to figure out where you're going to go to college, where you're trying to figure out what's my career going to be, when you're trying to figure out how much money am I going to make one day, I want to have a big family, what am I going to have? This is important for you guys to understand. Please listen to me. The key to happiness in life, the key to happiness in life is not more. It is not more. It's contentment. It's being satisfied with what you have. It's being happy and satisfied with where the Lord has you. Because guess what? There are movie stars, there are musicians that are making millions and millions of dollars of the year. And I'll tell you right now, they'll tell you that there's a hole in their heart. The the musician Sting, okay, he's one of those musicians that's kind of been forgotten about from the 80s. Probably you guys don't know who he is. But he wrote a song that says, there's a hole in my life. There's a great big hole in my life. Guys that have the success, guys that have the fame, women that have the fame and success, guys, without the Lord, it's emptiness. It's not going to satisfy you. It's all about contentment. So what happens to you or me if our ambition, okay, remember the definition of of ambition, what's driving me, what's motivating me, what happens if that is for success, money, fame, or material accumulation? What happens? What happens? Jesus is pretty clear here in verse 19. If our treasure or what we treasure, what we desire, what we're driven towards, if that's in earthly things, then we are going to be majorly, majorly disappointed when they rust away or when they're stolen from us. 
Now, Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't make money, okay? He's not saying that I want you to go out and I want you to be like the hobo in that picture that, that Aaron pulled up, okay, when we were talking about announcements. He's not saying I want you to go live a destitute life and, and be naked somewhere in the wilderness and don't have anything. He's not saying that. Because in the Bible, we are called to be good stewards of what the Lord has given us. But the material cannot be ultimate, cannot be an ultimate thing. It can't rule over us because it will always, it'll always leave us empty, if I'm looking to my possessions to bring me ultimate joy, my car, okay, my job, my watch, okay, my clothes, if I'm looking to these things to bring me joy, I'm going to be majorly disappointed because those things burn away. If I'm looking to myself, my youthful beauty, I mean, look at me, look at me. I'm beautiful. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm not. But hey, if my, if my satisfaction is, man, Pete, oh, I like my beard and my hair. And, well, guess what? I'm going to get fat one day. I'm going to have a gut that hangs over. I'm probably going to bald. I, I mean, it's going to fade away, okay? If we look at verse 20, the next verse, Jesus, what he calls us to do, he calls us to lay our treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Guys, the kind of treasures, the kind of accumulation that Jesus is mentioning here, the stuff that really, really matters, it's not earthly. It's not. It's not of this world. It's everlasting. It's incorruptible. Now look, money is beneficial and it makes life more convenient. Success is great. Okay, it is. I mean, who doesn't want to be on the spotlight? I mean, we're fleshly human beings. We want to have people know us. We want to have people notice us. However, you can't take it with you when you die. You can't take it with when you die. Listen, the ancient pharaohs of Egypt, they would have all this wealth, this gold, these jewels, these rubies. When they would die, they'd be buried with it. And so when these, when these tomb raiders are coming into Egypt and like, oh, let's go find like King Tut, whatever, you know, let's go find these guys. When they open up, when they open up their, their tombs, the material goods are still there. They're just sitting there. They don't go with you to the other life. They're not of eternal value. But... There's good news. The treasure that we store in heaven, guys, that will stick with us for all of eternity. When we lay up treasures in heaven, it's like we're getting a report card with Jesus. It's like what we're doing for his kingdom, that stays with us. Now, success is fun for a season when you're on top, but that doesn't make its way into the afterlife either. You could have the most beautiful wardrobe on earth, all the fancy clothes, all the newest clothes, but they'll all burn. <laughs> they will. Now, I'm not trying to depress you. I'm just trying to help you see the beauty in heavenly treasure. Our treasure, okay, our treasure is laid up in heaven by being givers, by being producers, by being kingdom changers, kingdom of God changers, and followers of Jesus. This is the type of treasure that you want to have because it's of eternal value, right? Things like obedience, honoring your parents. I know that that's a struggle for you guys sometimes. It's a struggle for me. It was when I was in high school. Reaching out to those in need. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm proud of Crossroads for going on these homeless trips out here. That's, that's laying treasures up in heaven. Or what about witnessing to non-believers? You guys, you guys street witnessing team? Gosh, that's awesome. The announcements today that Aaron was giving, that gives you an avenue to be able to go and lay up treasures in heaven. That's so awesome. And if you make a paycheck, tithing, that's another way to lay up your treasures in heaven. You're contributing to the kingdom of God. You're contributing to it being furthered. And the most obvious way, the most obvious way to lay up treasures in heaven is to be like Jesus. Who can remember that, that famous phrase that was like really popular in the 90s and the, like the early 2000s and you had the, 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 the bracelets? Can anyone remember what it was? Yeah, what would Jesus do? WWJD. 
WWJD. Guys, if we lived, if we lived a little bit more according to that phrase, I'm telling you, the world would be a different place. It really would. So the most obvious, being like Jesus, sacrificing for the kingdom of heaven. And you guys have been going through the Sermon on the Mount, right? Taking the principles that Aaron and Scott have been teaching you the past couple months, taking those, the Beatitudes, taking those principles and implementing them into your life, that's a way to lay up your treasures in heaven. Because those are the things that are worth, worth being ambitious towards. Those are the things that are worth being driven towards, okay? Why? Because verse 21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What I, what I value, what means something to me. Where that is, there, you know, there your treasure will be also. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So where my ambition rests, where my goals are met, where my actions are executed, that is where my heart is. And since the way I live my life is driven by my heart, what's inside, that gives us all the more reason to pursue the kingdom, to pursue heaven. Because guess what? It's like a crossroads. <laughs> It's like a crossroads because my heart is either focused on earthly things or my heart is focused on heavenly things. And we all know that the earth and the things of the earth won't last. Jesus is coming back soon. Amen. He's coming back and this earth is going to pass away. So our first point, my first point, and it's up here on the screen. Our ambition, what drives us, what motivates us should rest in heavenly things, not on earthly things. And with that in mind, let's move to our second topic. So we've just covered ambition. Let's talk about attention. Look at verse 22 with me. Look at verse 22 with me. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So what does Jesus mean here? It's a little bit confusing. What does it mean to have a good eye? <laughs> what does it mean to have my light, my body full of light? Mm. Sounds like, a, sounds like a pixie or a fairy or something. Now listen, that was a really stupid joke. Oh my gosh, I hope that doesn't make it on the recording. When you go off your notes, just tip for some of you, maybe a pastor someday, just don't go off your notes. Just follow the notes. The cool thing about Jesus, okay, the cool thing about Jesus is that oftentimes he uses material things in his teachings and his ministry, okay? Physical examples like a field or a vine, okay? In this case, the eye, to convey a message that's much deeper than what is physical, what is material. So what does Jesus mean when he says, the lamp of the body is the eye? Well, this part is simple. Since light comes through your eye, if your eye was blind, if I couldn't see, then you would live in a dark world, right? But it gets a little trickier when he says, if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Now, I want you guys to play, pay really, really close attention to this, especially if you want to be a good student of the Bible, if you want to pull out a nugget to impress your parents someday, even though that's not what it's about. It's not about impressing people. It's about understanding the Word of God. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, my gosh. I'm not even listening to my own message. Man, man, what's wrong with me? I'm just kidding. So check it out. You do want to be a good student of the Bible, right? You want to be a good student of what the Lord has given you, which is the Word, right? So check it out. This idea of your eye being good, if I have a good eye, okay, it, this, it speaks of being generous. It speaks of being, of, of being giving. This saying, good eye, is based off of an old Jewish proverb that deals with material things. So being generous, being giving, should describe a disciple of Christ's attitude towards material things. Just think of Jesus. Being generous toward others and material things, it brings light to our lives. 
It brings illumination to our lives. It helps us understand how we are to deal with the material things, how we are to deal with our possessions, right? Because, and this is pretty simple, when I'm a more generous person, when we're more generous toward others, who are we being like? Jesus. We're being like Jesus, okay? And we can experience God's heart of generosity towards others for ourselves. When I am generous with what I have, when I give to those in need, when I give of my time to those in need, we are being more like Jesus. We can experience the light of illumination, God's heart of generosity. And that is a big part of laying up treasures in heaven. However, however, if we are not generous, if we allow ourselves to become, we allow ourselves to become selfish. If I am not generous, I allow myself to become selfish. And we become like the verse describes, with our whole body full of darkness. Why? Why? Why is our whole body full of darkness if I'm not generous, if I'm not giving? Because if I'm not generous and I'm not giving, what's the opposite of that? I'm therefore selfish. I'm keeping things for myself. I'm storing up treasures, not only on earth, but for myself. I don't want to give it away. And when we're selfish, that's sin. And when we're sinning, that's bringing a darkness. That's confusing us. That's blinding us to what reality truly is. Our flesh will get the better of us, and we allow the darkness of sin to rule over us. So our attention as believers, as Jesus Christ followers, what's our focus Okay, here in this passage, it's parallel to the eye because what do we do with our eye? We see, we focus on things. So our attention should be on others, not ourselves. Jesus says in Luke 19.10, I want, you guys to, I want you guys to hear this. Jesus says in Luke 19.10, for the son of man, Jesus, came to seek and save the lost. It doesn't say that he came to seek his own glory or fame or earthly possessions. He didn't need it. Jesus came to seek others. He was other-oriented, others-oriented. His attention was on winning the lost. His attention was on furthering the kingdom of God. Guys, he didn't even have a place to, to like, sleep. He didn't have a place to rest his head. He was on the move. He was so others-oriented, he wasn't even concerned about it. If we want to be disciples of Jesus, then we must remember the importance of being generous to others being others-oriented, giving. And so that brings me to my second point this morning. You can see it up on the screen. You can see the cool little edit that Aaron did. Our attention needs to be on others, others-oriented. Now, with that in mind and heart, let's read verse 24. And this is the last verse of the passage we're studying, so we're almost done. So with that in mind, let's read verse 24, and let's, let's see what Jesus has to say about allegiance. So we've covered ambition, Okay. We've covered ambition. What's driving me? What's motivating me? What's causing me to pursue certain things? Is it material gain? Is it, is it success? Is it fame? Is it how many followers I can get on Instagram or Twitter? Is it how many people retweet me? Is it how popular I am at school? Or is it on heaven? Is it on furthering the kingdom of God? Is it on being more like Jesus? Is it in reaching out to more people? What about our attention? We talked about our attention just now. Is my attention on myself or is my intention on being generous and giving to others? Is my intention being sacrificial? And if my intention is, then my attention is on Jesus. So we're going to cover allegiance. Look at verse 24. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus goes very deep here in this part of the sermon. He cuts, 
he cuts straight into the heart, right into the heart. Now this verse, this verse is, is very easily understood by the obvious application, that having two masters, having two people in charge of you is nearly impossible. I want you guys to picture something in your head. Think about having two bosses. How many of you guys work or have a job? Raise your hand. Okay, that's good. A few of you, that's more than I would have expected. Now, some of you guys are younger, so don't feel pressured to go off and get a job, okay, if you don't need to, just to be cool. Just kidding. Just imagine having two bosses, two people in charge of you. Okay, that job, newsflash, that job would be absolutely terrible. You would have one boss giving you certain tasks and responsibilities, and the other giving you a whole new and different set of tasks and responsibilities to take care of the same time. Talk about a nightmare, right? So we understand pretty plainly, okay, that you can't serve two different persons. You can't have your allegiance rest in two different people. You can't be loyal to both. You can't. But Jesus goes even deeper. He goes even deeper than the obvious when he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Does anybody know what mammon is? Yeah, I didn't either. I thought it was like the food that <laughs> came from heaven when the Jewish people were in the desert. But that's wrong. That was mammon. This is mammon. Okay, this is mammon. It's not a mammoth. It's not an animal. This term mammon means material goods, the things of this world, or what we accumulate, the things that we accumulate or possess while we're here on this earth, right? So Jesus is clearly dealing with the heart here when he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Why would he, why would he say that? Why would he say that? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you exactly why. It's because many people, many people say that they love God. Many people say that they serve God, but they find themselves pursuing the things of this world. And their actions reveal that they, in fact, do not love God or serve him. Their actions reveal that they have chosen a different master, something else to serve. It could be materialism. It could be sensual things. Or it could even be themselves. Think about the selfie, right? <laughs> Think about the selfie. But check this out. Jesus said in John 18, 36, that my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. It's a really powerful verse, and there's more to that verse. I want you guys to listen to me. The context of this verse, what is the context? Well, from a first century Jewish, Jewish perspective, Okay, Israel was under the siege of Roman rule, right? The Romans had come in, and they were ruling over the Jewish people. And so all throughout the Old Testament, the Jews are promised a Messiah. They're promised someone that will come and rescue them, someone that will take them, and they'll have the true nation. They'll have freedom. So they're promised this Messiah. And so when they're under Roman militaristic rule, they're expecting a militaristic Messiah. They're expecting a Messiah to come and to kick the Romans' butt and to get them out of the land, to sit on a throne, to resurrect the temple, to build the kingdom, but it's a militaristic kingdom. It's a kingdom of the world. But Jesus was opposite. Jesus was completely opposite. And the Jewish people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the people that he talks about a lot in the Sermon on the Mount. Guys, they were missing the point. Because Jesus came to serve, not be served. He came to die for us, not rule and reign. 
His kingdom was all about heavenly things, was all about a heavenly perspective on things. So if God's kingdom, God's kingdom is not of this world, then how can one be a genuine follower of Christ if the cares of the world consume our hearts and minds? If our allegiance is with money, fame, glory, or success, what we owe ourselves to is to the pursuit of the American dream or the pursuit of having more or the pursuit of landing that killer job. So it comes down to this. It comes down to this, and it's pretty simple. What do you choose? Or better yet, where are you going to put your allegiance? Where is your allegiance going to rest? Where is it going to rest? I love this, okay? Bob Dylan wrote in his gospel song. Do you guys know who Bob Dylan is? Yeah? Whoop, whoop. Well, he's old. I've talked about a lot of old people tonight. Sting, I mean today, this morning. <laughs> Sting, I've talked about Bob Dylan. Well, he wrote a song called Serve Somebody. And I love this lyric from the chorus. It says, you're going to have to serve somebody. It's like a gospel song. I'm not black, so I'm not even going to try. Neither was he, but for some reason he is kind of black. <laughs> it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to have to choose And this is so true, because get this, I can choose to place my allegiance in this world and serve the God of materialism, serve the God of self, but like verse 19 said, it will either rust away or be stolen, or, 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 I can give my allegiance and choose to serve the true and living God whose kingdom will stand forever, whose kingdom will stand forever. So there's a choice. Do I choose the world or do I choose God? Do I choose what is fading away or do I choose what is eternal? And this brings me to our third point this morning. It's up on the screen. The really cool picture of a hipster guy wearing a sweatshirt, his hand crossed over his heart. (laughs) Our allegiance should be with God. What we owe ourselves to should be with God. What has ultimate rule over our lives, it should be with God. So in closing this morning, okay, I ask myself and you guys this question or this series of questions. Are we storing up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where the material will fade? Do we worship materialism? Is that something that consumes our hearts and our minds? I want what is next. I want that. I want that new gadget. I want this new game. I want this new clothing item. I want that new car. Is that what's driving us? Or or are we pursuing heavenly treasure? Are we eternally minded? Are we setting our minds on things above? Are we more concerned with furthering our savings account than the kingdom of heaven? Are we? What about our attention? Is our attention on ourselves, our personal gain, our personal glory, Are we blinded by consumer culture ourselves? I mean, think about the selfie, right? I mean, that's so popular now. You take a selfie. I mean, man, our culture is all about the self. So is our attention on ourself? Or are we giving? Are we being producers? Are we being like Jesus? Are we generous? Do we have a good eye? Are we blind? What about our loyalty? What about our allegiance? Are we serving the gods of this world Are we serving the gods of this world, consumerism, material wealth, fame? Or are we giving what we have to God, giving our hearts to God, serving him, glorifying him? 
Guys, our ambition, what drives us, what drives me, should rest in heavenly things, not earthly things. Our attention, what, is my, what has my focus, what is my focus, should be on others. We need to be others-oriented. And our allegiance, what I am devoted to, what has my heart, should be with God. Should be with God. So listen, I encourage you guys to pray these things through. When Aaron um, came up to me and was like, hey, Pete, you know what? Um, why don't you teach January 25th, and why don't you teach this passage of Scripture, Treasures in Heaven? I thought, oh my gosh, that's awesome. I'd be stoked because I need to hear this message just as much as the rest of you guys do. And this is something that needs to be a reminder of our lives, in our lives, something we need to be constantly reminding ourselves of. So I encourage you, if you took down notes, if you took down this idea of ambition, attention, and allegiance, I encourage you to pray these things through. Because get this, I want you guys to picture one more thing in your head before we pray. Imagine what our culture, imagine what our nation would look like, would look like, if we were more concerned with what is of eternal value, with what is heavenly, than what is really temporary, than what's going to fade away, what's going to end up in the basement someday, what's going to end up in a box or a storage unit. Let's just be honest. We buy things, and it's like this cycle of junk. So is our concern going to rest in those things, or is it going to rest in heaven, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, looking up to what is of ultimate value? I encourage you guys to pray these things through as I pray them through, as I think about them in my own life as I consider where my ambition is, what has my attention, and who has my allegiance. Okay? So pray with me this morning. Lord, Jesus, I, I thank you, God, for, for your word. I thank you for, Lord, your words here in this passage, Jesus, that, that teach us, Jesus, that you are what is most important, that show us that you deserve our ultimate attention and that you deserve our allegiance. God, we do live in a society, we do live in a culture that is largely driven by this idea of wanting more, this idea of having more. And honestly, a culture that has a misconstrued, has, has a misconception about what true happiness is. I pray, Jesus, that you would teach us that idea, that contentment, contentment is great gain to be content, to be satisfied with what you have done for us, to be satisfied with where we are, where you have us, is really what matters. I pray for my brothers and sisters here in this room, Jesus, that you would help us, Lord, to be kingdom changers. You would help us to be producers, to be givers, to be generous to those around us, to be generous to our siblings, to be generous to our parents, the people at our school, to be less concerned about ourselves and more concerned about you, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for anyone here, God, who, who, whose allegiance is not with you. I pray, Lord, that they would turn to you. I pray, Lord, that they would realize, God, that you are the key to life, that you are the key to eternal life. Jesus, that they would open your hearts, their, their hearts to you, Jesus. That you would speak to them, that you would have your way. I just pray, God, that you would be glorified in our lives, that you would be glorified in our hearts, Lord, that we would be intentional and very serious about eliminating things, God, in our life. 
that hinder growth, that hinder the kingdom of heaven being furthered here on this earth. Lord, you are good, you are holy, and we worship you, Jesus. You are holy, holy, holy. We give you glory, Lord, and it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.